Corinne Ruff, and this is Conversational Commerce, the podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends by talking shop with the Retail Dive team, thought leaders, and executives. Today, I'm bringing you a special episode that's a part of a bigger series of stories we're producing about sustainability all around Earth Day. The retail industry is a major producer of waste and pollution. And for retailers, understanding their role in that has become unavoidable. To put this into perspective as to just how big of a problem this is, visualize a garbage truck full of old clothing. Roughly every second, that many textiles are being dumped into a landfill or incinerated. That's according to a recent report from apparel resale marketplace ThreadUp. And plastic waste is another big problem. Roughly every minute, consumers collectively purchase 1 million plastic bottles, and that number is expected to rise 20% by 2021, according to research obtained by The Guardian. These statistics are becoming increasingly familiar to consumers, who are savvier than they've ever been about where the products they buy are coming from, whether or not they were ethically sourced or sustainably produced, and what companies are doing about it. Young shoppers especially have cited these as increasingly important factors when they're considering where to spend their money. And this also dovetails with increasing demand toward health and wellness products, which has sparked the launch of digitally native specialty brands in the space. Now, companies like Brandless, Thrive Global, The Honest Company, and Grove Collaborative are all aiming to bring to market more so-called better-for-you products at a more affordable price. To understand exactly how these brands are getting off the ground with sustainability seemingly baked into their DNA, I called up Stu Landsberg. He's the founder and CEO of Grove Collaborative, which is an online marketplace that sells natural home essentials products, ranging from things like high-efficiency laundry detergent to cleaning supplies. In essence, what Stu wants people in the industry to understand is that building a sustainable business doesn't mean it won't be profitable. And he says, Grove Collaborative is proof. Before we dive into our interview, here's a quick word from our sponsor. If you truly want to grow your e-commerce business, it will only happen in one way, by building real, quality customer relationships. Most marketing software promises this, but never really delivers. Clavio, on the other hand, is different. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening to and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to turn that information into valuable marketing messages. That's why 11,000 plus innovative brands have switched to Clavio, automating up to 50% of their sales as a result. All right, let's dive in. Hey, Stu, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here, Corinne. Huge fan of your program. Well, I'm glad that you could finally make it on it. Um, You are the CEO and the founder of Grove Collaborative. And I wanted to start a conversation today about sustainability, really at the beginning and the origins of your company and sort of what made you want to start it. Um, And so, you know, earlier this year when we met at Shop Talk, I remember you telling me that when you were a little kid, you wanted to grow up to be the CEO of Seventh Generation, which is a very specific job aspiration for a kid. If you're not familiar with the brand, it's sort of a laundry cleaning brand that offers high efficiency products so you can use less of them. So tell us, you know, what makes you passionate about sustainability and really what made you want to start this company? So that story is true. Uh, As a 12-year-old, I did want to become the CEO of 7th Generation. I thought it was a much bigger company than 
it turns out it is today. Even then, my folks were very, very focused on sustainability and so grew up in a household where sustainability was always important. And as I entered the professional world, spent a few years at a firm called TPG Capital in the growth group looking at primarily stuff in consumer retail and also technology, and was fascinated by non-food CPG and the extent to which this is a category where what's on shelf didn't necessarily match consumer preference and where the offline experience of buying a product like laundry detergent isn't so compelling that it couldn't be brought online. And so I started the company really at the intersection of two trends that I think are powerful and also really positive. The first is obviously offline to online, but also that consumers really want to make good choices. Something like 70% of US consumers prefer conscientious products. But in many of these categories, conscientious brands only have about 2% market share. So I saw this opportunity to build a business at the intersection of the transition from offline to online and conventional to natural in our category, which again, non-food CPG, which is sort of like laundry detergent, hand soap, dish soap, paper towels, shampoo, face wash, things like that. You know, when we're talking about sustainability, there's so many things that fit into that. But maybe broadly, when you were starting this company, what did you envision sustainability meant for Grove? Defining sustainability is one of the most challenging elements of being a conscientious company because, of course, it means different things in different industries. You know, we sell everything from toothpaste to face wash to laundry detergent. And sustainability in each of those categories is going to be different and unique and idiosyncratic. We define sustainability in terms of impact on the environment, and that goes beyond sort of the natural environment to the communities in which the product is made. And so the brands that we carry and our platform is about half our own brands and half third-party brands. All of them have a commitment to waste reduction, recyclability, plant-based ingredients, and have consideration for not just the materials they use, but also the ways they impact our community. Grove has been a B Corp, which is a company that prioritizes social, environmental, and community well-being, not just profit, since basically our founding. Uh, and that's really important to us. Something like 70% of our sales are of products that are certified B Corps as well. Yeah. So you've got sort of a, a list of standards that you want for products that are going to be sold on Grove. Tell me a little bit about some of the specific areas of sustainability that you're looking at. I mean, I know plastic is a big area that you focus on. Yeah. So it starts with standards, but I think one of the really big opportunities that companies like ours have is to go beyond what prior business models have done. Because we are not limited to an on-shelf relationship with the consumer, we can push for more different and more innovative business models, which can benefit the consumer and also have a lighter environmental footprint. One of my favorite examples of this is our concentrate program. So if you think of a product like glass cleaner, you buy that in the store, you probably buy 16 or 24 ounces. Most of that product is water and you use it at home where you already have water. So the way Grove goes to market in that category is we sell a reusable glass bottle, which I'm obviously biased, but I think is quite beautiful, and one ounce cleaning concentrates, which are sort of you know, about the size of two lip balms stuck together. You, know, you can see the visual difference between a one ounce and the sort of 16 ounce bottle that you throw away is astounding. This is a case where it's, it's a smaller product. Because of that, we're able to offer it at a lower cost to the consumer. We're able to invest in higher quality ingredients 
And of course, it has a lighter environmental footprint. And that program alone will save about 300,000 pounds of plastic in the calendar year 2019. So kind of a commodity product, but real impact. And again, this is an innovation that costs actually ends up costing the consumer less for a higher quality product. Yeah. So, you know, you're not only making the case to consumers, the ethical case, but also um, the business case, because it's also, you know, actually saving the company money as well. Is that right? Yeah. So the company benefits from the reduced shipping cost, but, you know, the whole ecosystem benefits from reduced shipping cost. I don't think anybody believes it's a good idea to ship the amount of water around the country that we do. I mean, if you think of the laundry category, right, the giant jugs of laundry detergent, those are mostly water. Uh, and you can think of a lot of examples where the brick and mortar format made forced companies into basically large vessels that they filled with water to give the appearance of value. Because we sell online and have a direct relationship with the consumer, we're able to create form factors and business models that deliver a higher quality product at a lower cost with a lighter environmental footprint. That is unique to the direct consumer online business. I'm not sure how well it would work at a place where folks are looking at the tiny concentrate next to the big bottle um, on shelf. And I should mention that as we go to market, we are an impact-driven company, but our mission is to help all families create a home that reflects the best of themselves. The word sustainability is not in that mission. So even though it's super important to us, we want to be relevant across the spectrum of folks who are making thoughtful decisions in their homes. Part of that, I'm sure, is educational awareness and whether that's you know strictly about sustainability or more so about better for you products or products that you might not have grown up with, but maybe are more relevant to today's sort of more consciously driven consumer. Um, I think we've also seen that grow with the launch of other brands like Grove, like Brandless, Thrive Global, The Honest Company, and even like big box chains that are sort of leaning on this wellness trend too. So the one thing that I think is extremely unique about Grove are its Grove guides, and that sort of goes back to the customer relationship piece that you were just mentioning. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who they are and what they do? Yeah. So if you think about our consumer journey, many of these folks are changing products that their parents used, habits they've had for their whole lives. And we want our consumers to really understand that they are well-loved by Grove, and they can really trust that we will, we will do everything we can to take care of them in this relationship. So we have a program called Grove Guides, and when you join Grove, you'll get assigned to a Grove Guide, or a Grove Guide will get assigned to you, get matched. And that's a person, most of our Grove guides sit actually in Portland, Maine, uh, who understands all of the products we sell extraordinarily well and is there to help with anything from, I just got a new laundry machine, what's the best kind of detergent, can you help me pick a scent, to, hey, I'm having an issue with my order, can you help me with you know, this basic customer service request? But that program has been extraordinarily well received, and we have hundreds of Grove guides now, and process in the tens of thousands of text message conversations a month. We actually offer phone consultations with our consumers and now do thousands of 20-minute phone calls with consumers, just helping them get to know Grove. And you know, if the phone call ends and they don't buy anything else from us, that's totally fine too. Um, it's really about helping people feel 
comfortable understanding more about the category. Um, and so I, I wonder, you know, how you talk about the sustainability, sort of the wellness aspect of the products that are sold at Grove, but also the price point. Um, and I think you had mentioned to me that the average Grove customer makes around $70,000, um, which is you know, sort of middle income, right? These aren't necessarily um, the top earners in the country, but I think there are a lot of misperceptions that good for you products um, or more sustainable products are expensive. So how do those conversations go? Yeah, we really see ourselves as bringing new people to the category. About half of our consumers had never tried natural products in the non-food CPG space before. And a big barrier is the perception of price. And I think a lot of that has to do with the channel where natural products have historically been sold. If you think about specialty retail, which is where most people historically have gone to find natural product, that's a really expensive channel. You know, for us, because of the nature of our relationship, we can offer a really compelling product at a much lower cost than has traditionally been available. And because we invest in long-term relationships with the consumer and genuinely believe that if we do our job well, you know, consumers will have a multi-year relationship with Grove, but we're able to invest a lot upfront in making sure that people really understand what they're getting and really are making changes that can help them not just with a single purchase, but, but actually to improve their lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And so I also want to talk about sort of the business case for this and, you know, having sustainability be a part of the business case um, the whole way. Like many direct-to-consumer companies, you're in part venture capital funded. You know, according to some data from PitchBook, you've raised $187 million over the course of a couple of rounds of funding. And, you know, I know there can be a lot of pressure from VC firms to really push startups to hit really ambitious goals, scale quickly. And so I wonder, you know, how you got VC firms on board with your vision and then also, you know, how you weighed decisions that might have meant for more growth and profitability, but be worse for the environment. I think the sustainability profitability trade-off is a little bit of a red herring. I think that mission-driven businesses are the most successful period because you can attract the best team. And startups, I think really all companies, it's all about the people. And having a strong mission, a strong culture brings in and helps retain the best people, which really helps grow the business. And as we've sought capital partners over the years, and we're fortunate to have some really good ones, we've only worked with folks who understand the vision and who understand that the strength of this company, which I hope is around for the next 100, 200 years, the strength of this company lies in the strength of its principles and in the ability of our team to execute in really perfect alignment with the purest version of the founding principles. And so there's never been any sense of, hey, perhaps we should compromise on sustainability because it would be more profitable. That type of thing is antithetical to who we are. It's antithetical to why our consumers trust us, and it's antithetical to why the great people who work at Grove you know, come in every day and, and push innovation the way we do. So I think that you know, we are in an era where the best investors understand that to be a really special 100-year company, culture and organizational authenticity is incredibly important. And so I'm, I'm really happy that I think, if anything, it's been an advantage for us to have a strong point of view and to execute on it faithfully every day. I think that's, that is the hallmark of great cultures around which great businesses are built.
And I just wonder, was there ever a moment where you weighed, you know, this might not be the most profitable move, but it's a move that we really want to make? We weigh those kinds of decisions all the time, from the ingredients that we use in our own products, to how we think about supply chain, to the investment in auditing all of our facilities, to the way that we pay our people. You know, there are a ton of decisions that get made every day across the organization where we all have the opportunity to cut corners, and that's true at Grove, just like I'm sure it's true at most companies. And the thing that makes it makes Grove successful to the extent we are in executing our sustainability mission is that everybody at the company understands what our priorities are, what our value system is, and can go prosecute that in his or her respective field. And so, you know, I can come up with with a half dozen examples, but perhaps the best one, or certainly one of my favorites, was when we launched our concentrate line. There was an executive from another large consumer packaged goods company who said, you know, don't use glass, use plastic. And glass, of course, is infinitely recyclable and has a generally much longer life from the consumer. But consumer data at that time showed that the consumer really didn't want a glass bottle for hard surface cleaners. But we believed, despite it being materially higher cost than a plastic bottle, that consumers would get more use out of this and that the material profile was going to be better for the long term. And so we invested in the more expensive material. And consumers have repaid us by making our concentrates the best-selling products in those categories on the site. But at the time, you know, it felt crazy to pay more than double for a product that had effectively the same function, even though it was, a, I think, now proven a good investment in in the the program. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm sure that these are the kinds of things that big and small companies like think about every single day. Um, you know, you come from a very nimble, direct consumer type company that, you know, like a lot of other brands in that space really is able to have this mission driven focus, another focus on customer service and that relationship, that more direct relationship with the customer. What do you think is specific to being a direct-to-consumer company? And also, you know, what's just broader in terms of what other companies could do when it comes to thinking about issues of sustainability and what um, role they can play in you know, having more sustainable products or processes? Sustainability is a topic where everyone at every level of an organization, direct-to-consumer, nimble, or giant company with a ton of infrastructure can have input. Because I think it starts with expressing that this is something that's important. And once you start to do that, I believe, and look, I started a company trying to convince people to change their habits for the better. So I am clearly an optimist. But I really believe that people want to be good. They want to make good decisions in terms of the way they treat others. They want to make good decisions in terms of the products they bring into their homes. They want to vote with their dollars for brands that support their value systems. And so you know, I think being a nimble, direct consumer company means we can push innovation farther than most people because we have a, the ability to tell stories in such an intimate manner. But we also have way fewer resources than many of the big companies out there to do the kind of multi-year innovation that's really needed in so many categories. And yes, it's, it is a risk for big companies to go out there and put multi-year projects in place that will materially change the environmental footprint of their products and services. But I think for the best, I believe consumer is already there. 
Yeah, so you're optimistic that this is something the customer wants, and then also this is something that big and small companies alike are trying to focus more and more on. I mean, I know for you, sustainability is a personal passion, and it's also a really long-term goal for the company, but tell me, as you're looking ahead at this year, what what's the biggest thing that you're really focused on in this area? So I think the two biggest things in this area for us are plastic reduction. There's been a lot in the headlines recently about China no longer taking a are recycling. And as it is today, only about 9% of plastic actually gets recycled. That number will probably go down. And we launched earlier this year a laundry system that uses 80% less plastic than conventional. I touched on our concentrate system, which will save 300,000 pounds of plastic this year alone. And looking for opportunities where we can deliver a better product in a smaller form factor or in a, in a format. Our hand and dish soaps don't have any single-use plastic bottles. They use 60% less plastic but looking for opportunities to continue delivering great products to the consumer without the amount of plastic packaging that this category has seen forever. That's the first focus. And then the second in our line of paper products called Seedling, which we launched last year. And Seedling is made of bamboo and upcycled sugarcane. And bamboo and sugarcane each grow more than 20 times as quickly as traditional paper feedstock and sequester three to five times as much carbon. So much, much more environmentally friendly. And through that program, we have a tree planting give back, and we're planting over 10,000 trees a month in the U.S. through the proceeds of that program. So the the company's vision, and this is it's going to take us a long time to get there, but the company's vision is that consumer products will be a positive force in human and environmental health. And the reason I love the seedling example so much is you know, that's an, a category household paper, which has historically been so destructive and where our product isn't just less bad than what's been on the market before, but is actually contributing to regenerating the ecosystem that's been so devastated by the category over time. Yeah, well, those are some ambitious goals, certainly to look forward to. And as we're sort of wrapping up here, Stu, I wonder, you know, what advice you would give to others out there who are thinking about building a business with sustainability in mind or already have a big business, but really want to try to infuse more sustainable practices? I think the biggest piece of advice I could give is be optimistic. I know that sounds a little bit simple, but I really think that all of the stakeholder groups from your employees, to your suppliers, to your consumers, people really react well to organizations that are trying to do good in the world. And so I think we have always approached it with an optimism that that people are going to, people want to do the right thing. And that operating principle has allowed us to take a bunch of risks and a bunch of leaps that I'm not sure, you know, would have penciled out if you did the math beforehand, uh, but have have proven successful. And so my biggest surprise since starting the company is just how amazing our consumer base is. Our community is so wonderful. And and we launched launched this glass laundry vessel, excuse me, in January. We had like 70,000 people on the wait list for a glass laundry vessel. It's amazing that people embrace really different product than they've ever seen before and get excited about the mission. So I think it's a ton of fun to operate this way. And I think it's, it's also a ton of fun to be, to be an optimist. <laughs> well, we could all use a little bit more optimism in our lives, I think. That's well said. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Stu, for joining me today. My pleasure, Corinne. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Conversational Commerce. 
For all the latest news and trends, subscribe to our free daily newsletter at retaildive.com. And if you like this show, give us a rating or leave us a review on iTunes and stay tuned for more episodes. I'm Corinne Ruff, and this was Conversational Commerce.